Best-selling author Frank Peretti began alerting Christians to the reality of spiritual warfare 20-plus years ago. We'll ask him about satanic influences that continue to pervert the truth, and what will current proposals aimed at curbing global warming cost, and who will pay the price. We'll ask the Vice President of the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. This is Jerry Johnson Live from Criswell College. Join us as we look at today's news from the Christian worldview for Christ and culture. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. December 7, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. I have a dream. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Yes. And the people who knock these buildings down will hear all of us soon. We will not tire, we will not falter, and we will not fail. Welcome to Jerry Johnson Live. For the next hour, this is your place for relevant discussion of topics in the news and in our culture from a Christian perspective. Later in the show, we'll open the toll-free lines for your questions and comments. You may also email us at talk at jerryjohnsonlive.com. Now, here is Penna Dexter. I believe that neither the military nor the CIA should use waterboarding. But I don't believe that Judge McCasey should be denied confirmation for failing to provide an absolute answer on this one subject. Well, California Democratic Senator knows that we need an attorney general. Uh, Even the Bush critics, at least some of them, agree with that. And the Senate Judiciary Committee has approved now the nomination of Judge Michael Mukasey to be attorney general by a vote of 11 to 8, all nine Republicans supporting him, Two Democrats also supporting him. Uh, That nomination will now go to the full Senate, where he is expected to be confirmed. That was uh, Democratic Senator Dianne Feinstein, and she said that while she opposes a certain form of uh, getting information, which is called uh, waterboarding, it makes you feel like you're drowning, she is supporting the judge's nomination. He has not said whether it's legal or illegal. Uh, Now, Democratic Senator Charles Schumer suggested Mukasey in the first place, he began uh, criticizing him and waffling a little bit, but I think all that, all the while he was going to support him. He will support and did support uh, with his vote on the Judiciary Committee, Judge Mukasey, because of his willingness to enforce any law Congress might pass against waterboarding. He has personally made clear to me that if Congress passed further legislation in this area, the president would have no legal authority to ignore it, and Judge Mukasey would enforce it. Now, the United States is continuing to closely monitor this emergency military rule in Pakistan. Secretary of State Condoleezza Rice told reporters in Jerusalem that the U.S. is going to review its aid to Pakistan because it does have continuing counterterrorism concerns. We have to be able to protect America and protect American citizens by continuing to fight against uh, terrorists. And uh, we have a significant counterterrorism effort uh, in Pakistan, and so we have to review this whole situation. And ladies and gentlemen, did you vote today? Uh, I voted. Some people might not even have even known there was an election. But in Texas, there are several constitutional amendments on the ballot. The one I was really concerned with was Proposition 15, which establishes the Cancer Prevention and Research Institute of Texas. 
It authorizes the state to issue up to $3 billion in bonds from the General Revenue Fund. And I just started to wonder whether or not uh, this ought to be a a state uh, effort or whether or not this ought to be done privately. Also worrying about whether or not uh, embryonic stem cell research might be part of this. And uh, I don't want to see government money going toward that type of research. So that was something that I voted against. If you haven't voted, you can still vote. The polls are open till 7 o'clock in most places. I encourage you to participate in the political process. Well, next Wednesday night, one week from tomorrow, KCBI will air its town hall meeting, The Battle for Truth, Beware of False Prophets. We're going to be emphasizing this battle for truth the whole month of November. And tonight we are going to speak with an author, really a novelist, who put spiritual warfare New Age Spirituality and the Occult on the Radar Screens of Millions of Christians. He is Frank Peretti. And, uh, you know, have you read This Present Darkness, Piercing the Darkness? What about the Oath? What about the Prophet? What about Wounded Spirit? We're going to take your calls and your questions for Frank Peretti. You can start calling in right now, 800-881-9270. And I am so pleased to introduce a novelist, $12 million, uh, $12 million copies sold of his novels, Frank Peretti. Uh, Mr. Peretti, thank you so much for joining me tonight. Oh, I'm very, very glad to be here. I haven't been on the radio for quite a while, and I appreciate your invitation. Well, we appreciate you and the impact you've had on the Christian community. Of course, uh, writing novels is a wonderful way to teach truth, and I don't know if that was uh, your aim when you wrote these novels back in the 80s. Uh, certainly affected my life and many other Christians uh, that I know, uh, but we're so grateful for the work that you have done over the years. Now, I understand that one of, of your original novels that was so popular is being made into a movie. What about it? Uh, <laughs> depends on which one you're talking about. Is it This about. Present Darkness, I've heard? Well, This Present case? Darkness was picked up by a 20th Century Fox, and they've since uh, stuck it in a drawer somewhere. Oh, really? Uh, so that's a matter of prayer. If we want to get that thing made into a movie, the Lord will have to get it out of that drawer, and it's going to cost about $9 million to do that. It's a long story. I've had a few of my other books made into films. Some were pretty good, and some were pretty bad. Um, and I'm at the moment, I've got God's calling on my life to start directing my own movies, and so I'm kind of pursuing that path right now. So you'll be a director. Have you uh, chosen uh, one of your books to be your first project? Well, I have uh, written a script for Monster. That was my most recent novel I did on my own. And right now I'm working on a script for an original motion picture that I may uh, direct here locally up in the Pacific Northwest with a small film company. I figured, well, I'll start out small. If I can't do the really big ones, I'll start out small. And like the Lord says, if you're faithful in the little things, I'll trust you with the bigger things. So I don't mind paying my dues. Well, uh, you've certainly done that. Uh, You've written some great novels that have affected, really, the whole Christian community, the Christian movement. And we are looking uh, on the Criswell Radio Network this month, and especially next Wednesday night on the 14th, on the battle for truth. And part of this has to do with sort of the infiltration of satanic forces of New Age spirituality into the church. Now, you were concerned about that a couple of decades ago, and you wrote these novels. Can you talk about that a little bit? Well, it's the same old bugaboo. Uh, (laughs) It has a lot to do with the surrounding culture, too, because we've kind of drifted into a post 
Christian postmodern culture, which leaves the culture at large uh, quite empty spiritually and very hungry spiritually, but at the same time, I kind of wrote down a little formula here. You take spiritual hunger, you mix that with a rebellion that hasn't been dealt with, and the result is witchcraft. Because the Bible says that uh, rebellion is the sin of witchcraft. They're kissing cousins because the essence of the occult in witchcraft is to gain power for myself, for me to be in charge, for me to be the god of my universe. And that's basically what, what form it takes, whether it's Harry Potter or or, uh, or New Age channelers or Ouija boards or whatever. Uh, it basically boils down to who's in charge. Am I in charge or is God in charge? And most of the occultism and false teaching that even comes into the church, if you get down to the the core of the matter, it's a matter of the heart and who's in charge. We know a lot of folks have been influenced by your books and have enjoyed them over the years, so we've already opened up uh, the phones, Mr. Peretti, and uh, Frank Peretti is with us uh, to let people call in and just ask you questions. So we've got one. First of all, the number is 800-881-9270, and Ricky is waiting in Rockwall. Ricky, thanks for calling. You're on with Frank Peretti. Hey, Pena. Frank, how are you all doing? I'm Great. doing fine. How are you doing, Rick? I'm doing great. Hey, Frank, I really enjoy your books. I've read several of your novels. Uh, Piercing, uh, Piercing the Darkness, This Present Darkness, those are your first ones. They knocked my socks off. My question is, I was really wondering, curious, did you have some experience or just to start writing this kind of material? I was just wondering why you got started this way. Well, I was very excited about the topic. I was wondering what kind of what kind of warfare, what kind of conflict goes on in the invisible realm. And so years ago, that's what I was thinking about, and that's what I wrote about. I don't know that I've experienced any of that stuff directly. I sure have talked to people who have. Yeah. A lot of the research I did was based on experiences that people that I trusted. Well, my brother, who is a missionary in Italy, and he used to do a lot of work with uh, uh, drug addicts and so forth in Teen Challenge, had some pretty interesting insights for me, and there were others, too, of course. Uh, I kind of regard myself as uh, not so much a, well, I'm like a war correspondent. (laughs) I see what's been going on, and I write about it. Well, you know, I think think we all realize some of the spiritual stuff is closer than we think to the the natural realm, and uh, I really enjoyed your books, and Thanks for taking my call. This is great. Great talking to you, and bless you, and good luck to you. Well, God bless you, too. Ricky, thanks so much for calling. We appreciate it. Frank, uh, you know, when you gave me that equation a moment ago, and, you know, the folks didn't know we were going to talk about math today, but spiritual hunger plus rebellion equals witchcraft, it occurred to me that, you know, when you wrote your first novels, we are moving as a culture out of the 60s. We're moving out of a time when really a lot of folks in this uh, nation and in the world were were questioning some of the moral truths, the traditional Christian beliefs that uh, that had kind of reigned in a sense, especially in this country. And so they were open. They, they, there was sort of a blank slate for people. And so they were open to things like witchcraft, New Age spirituality and things like that, weren't they? Well, that was a real turning point in our history. That A lot of things happened there. Uh, the establishment, they even had a word for it, the establishment. Uh, we were all rebelling against the establishment, which was authority, mom and dad, the government, anybody that had a set, a set of rules for how we should live our lives. 
um, religious values, traditional values, things like that. Uh, there was a mass rebellion against that. Uh, and, of course, there was this spiritual void. Christianity was rejected in favor of Eastern mysticism. All of that came over. And that, the, the gate that opened there was the drug movement, because through drugs, uh, our generation began to experience, uh, uh, you know, occult phenomena and, um, oh, you know, out-of-body experiences and uh, transcendental uh, visions and altered states of consciousness and all of that stuff. And they looked at that as, oh, this is the new answer. But the the formula still applies. This is a spiritual emptiness combined with rebellion against um, authority, including God's authority. And so what you have left is a strange mix of Eastern and Western ideas. You've got Hinduism dressed up as all matter of medical practices, philosophy, relaxation techniques. Um, oh, a lot of this even came into the church uh, in counseling and uh, visualization techniques and spirit guides. Of course, the spirit guides were dressed up like Jesus and angels and Mary and a variety of others, but it was the same thing. Frank Peretti is my guest, and uh, we are taking your calls for him at 800-881-9270. Of course, he's the author. Actually, he's a publishing phenomenon, although he probably wouldn't call himself that. Uh, He is uh, embarking on a new career, learning how to be a film director, and we uh, will have to hold on to our hats for that. I'm sure it'll be great. But, Frank, you know, when you look at the church, I think that from your novels and just from the rise in all this alternative type of spirituality, we did learn in some ways to try to deal with this within evangelicalism. Do you think we've done a decent job of that? I think we've done a decent job. Um, you're always going to have little foxes and that are going to spoil the vines. You're going to have the tares growing up among the wheat. Uh, it is true. There's a lot of weird stuff that pops up, but... You know, you look at the full range of the history of the church and so forth, there's just always been weird stuff that's come up. And it's just important to maintain sound biblical teaching to uh, to rise against that stuff and stand against it. Um, oh, we go through phases. <laughs> yes, we do. Sound biblical teaching is certainly the bottom line answer here. Frank Peretti is my guest. He will stay with me for another segment, and we would love to hear from you. Again, the number is 800-881-9270. Stay with us for more of Jerry Johnson Live. November 14th, the Criswell Radio Network's Town Hall Series is back. The Battle for the Truth. Beware the False Prophets. A town hall meeting to focus our gaze back on Christ and the truth of God's Word. What a great opportunity to remind people that what the Bible says is true. Truth. Special guest panelists include Dr. Jack Graham, pastor of Prestonwood Baptist Church in Plano. Dr. Robert Jeffress, pastor of First Baptist Church in Dallas. Barry Cameron, pastor of Crossroads Christian Church in Grand Prairie with special insight from John MacArthur, host of Grace to You. 
Dr. Tony Evans, pastor of Oak Cliff Bible Fellowship in Dallas, George Barna of the Barna Group, and more. Hosted by Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of the Criswell College in Dallas, Wednesday, November 14th, 7 p.m., and live from Crossroads Christian Church. The truth. Fight for it with us. November 14th, only here on the Criswell Radio Network. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now, here's Penna Dexter. Well, let me list some of the books that have been written by our guest, Frank Peretti. Of course, as we mentioned, This Present Darkness and Piercing the Darkness, two spiritual warfare novels, uh, millions of copies, uh, more than 3.5 million copies sold. Also, The Oath. Uh, awarded the 1996 Gold Medal Medallion Award, Gold Medallion Award, The Visitation, uh, The Prophet uh, about the inside of the abortion industry, kids' books like the Cooper Kids Adventure Series, the wacky, totally true Bible stories. His first ever nonfiction book was The Wounded Spirit, and uh, there's much more. In fact, uh, Frank, I understand you may be working on or have been working on another darkness book. Is that true? Is that the case? Uh, I've got one in my head, and I've written down some notes, and I'm, i just got to figure out, uh, be praying for me. I'm trying to figure out how to organize my calendar so that everything falls in place where the Lord wants it. I'm doing a script now, and uh, then I'd like to get going on that book. Yeah, I'd like to do a third darkness book. Well, I'm sure the nation would uh, enjoy having that book. Let's go now back to the phones and talk to Kelly in Dallas. Kelly, you are on with Frank Peretti. Hi, Penna. Thanks so much for doing what you do. I sure appreciate listening to you. You're and welcome. Mr. Peretti, what a privilege it is to speak with you. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. I have to tell you that I have a 15-year-old daughter that is anxiously awaiting what she believes is third uh, teenage kind of book that you're writing, The Hangman's Curse. She loved, and of course, we love the movie and the Nightmare Academy. And then I also wanted to tell you that... Uh, it was probably uh, The Visitation. I've read all of your books, uh, but The Visitation probably meant more to me than you can imagine. And I wanted to tell you thank you. And yeah, could you tell me uh, why? Why? Because I've been a, I'm 37 years old. I've been a Christian since the age of accountability, since about 12 years old. So I could, in a way, relate with this. With this he was a preacher. I'm not a preacher. But I could relate with that. I've been a Christian for so long, and his, um, just the way that his whole life was changed, and God just breathed life into him again. You know, we go through that as a Christian. We go through those times of, well, there's just not much movement going on. And just like you said, spiritual hunger, you know, during that time of maybe deprivation on, I might see it as deprivation. Well, I think that character really brought that to life in me, and I immediately connected to him. And then just the journey it took you on with the, uh, with the visitation with the Antichrist. I just thought, what a powerful image of really where we live today and what can happen in a moment's notice if you're closing your eyes, you know, if you're not really spiritually aware of what's going on. So you allow me to see around, you know, I can close my eyes and see the spiritual surroundings, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So anyway, my daughter is anxiously awaiting this third book. So if you don't have it in mind, then we're going to have to put it on our prayer list. <laughs> Sounds good. 
Yeah, I, I, that's the thing. You'd be praying for me because I'm at a point in my life right now where I'm trying to figure out, man, what am I going to do next? Because I've got a couple of movie scripts and a novel, and I'm trying to figure out, okay, well, i got to put these in order and figure out which one to do first, which one to do second, and so forth. That's wonderful. Let's go back to the phones. I've got more folks calling in wanting to talk to you. Uh, Naomi is in Grand Prairie. Naomi, thank you for calling. Oh, you, thank you for the show. And, Mr. Freddy, I just have to tell you how much I've enjoyed all of your novels, and I agree with Kelly. I read uh, Piercing the Darkness first, I think it was, and it's amazing how your spiritual eyes do open when you realize exactly what's going on around the world. Uh, my grandkids have read Cooper Kids, and uh, I love the Veritas Project, and I'm kind of like Kelly was on the visitation. That kind of made you realize that, we can't just sit back. We have to, we have to be active, and and searching for the God's truth and God's will in our way. And I would love to see all of your books made into movies. But I think the only way you're really going to get a true representation is if you're in charge. Because if you let other people have the reins, we're going to get something like the way the Left Behind books were done in the especially the first Left Behind movies. So. Frank, do you feel like you've, you're kind of learning that lesson that you need to be involved if they're made into movies? Uh, yes. Uh, it, a lot of it has to do with my own disposition. I'm a creative guy. I'm a storyteller, and I have a passion for my stories. Uh, but it is true. I, I have found in my own experience that if I really want my stories to reflect my soul, my, my message, my passion, I'm going to have to do it myself. And I've always been, I've always wanted to be in film anyway. I started out uh, to be in film before I became a novelist, so I've kind of come full circle now. I, I've done my novels, and, well, I'm going to keep doing novels, but now I have an opportunity, an open door before me to pursue directing, and mm. so I feel that's God's timing. I think it's time to go and do that. Thanks, Naomi, for your call. Our number again is 800-881-9270. Frank, uh, when I heard that we were going to do this interview, I went to our bookshelf at home and I just pulled out, well, the one that I thought would be fun to talk about is my copy of Piercing the Darkness because it's got coffee stains all over it. (laughs) Some of the pages are ripped because I think it's been read by like three people in our family. And um, so, you know, it just made me go back and appreciate you. One of the questions I want to ask you in anticipation of... The uh, town hall meeting, the battle for truth that we're talking about on uh, the Criswell Radio Network is what is the role of Satan himself in the false doctrines that are penetrating and continue to penetrate or at least make inroads into uh, evangelicalism, into Christianity? Oh, I would say, boy, there's a lot there, but, uh, oh, man. Okay, I can throw a few words out. Throw a few words out. Uh, deception, of You're good course, at that. But deception, by way of counterfeit, uh, find something that uh, really looks Christian, really looks uh, spiritual, looks like the real thing, and meets a, quote, need, unquote, in people. Dress it up enough uh, like Christianity, or at least make it palatable. Make a movie out of it. Mm-hmm. Put it in a hit song. Put it in a children's storybook. Put it in the classroom. Uh, dress it up like cute characters or fuzzy animals or cartoon characters or rock groups or whatever appeals to people, and get it in there. Um, he knows how powerful and influential the outside culture is, the popular culture. The iPods and the movies and the TV and the radio, 
all of these things are they're, they're neutral they're they're fine in themselves but they are very powerful for whoever has a grip on them and knows how to use them and uh, so he's He's a deceiver. Uh, more than anything, he, he likes to deceive people. And uh, Boy, if you dress it up fancy enough and put enough color and sound on it, you can get people to buy it. What do you think of, uh, for instance, your reaction to the whole phenomenon of the Da Vinci Code? I think it's shameful. It, it's very scary because it shows how gullible people are. They'll read a novel like that, which is full of fabrications and falsehoods, and they'll believe it. Well, I saw it in a movie. It must be true. Right. I read it in a novel. And boy, it sounds convincing. Um, this is another aspect of our culture. It's a popular culture. It's a very quick, consuming culture. Whatever you put in front of them, they just gobble it right down, and they don't question very much. Um, oh, how did Ravi Zacharias put it? He says, we, we think with our feelings and we hear with our eyes. Um, well, becomes, you know, instead of really thinking something through, first we respond to how it makes us feel. And if Harry Potter saves the day and triumphs over evil through witchcraft, well, that must mean witchcraft is okay. If uh, I, I read the book. I didn't see the movie of Da Vinci Code, but I read the book. And um, I thought that was really bizarre that this guy would basically, number one, debunk the the savior of all mankind and turn him into some kind of a mortal human and then end up in the end of the book i don't care i can spoil it for people go ahead at the end of the book he goes through this whole quest and then ends up kneeling and worshiping at the tomb of a dead uh female goddess yeah it's amazing it's amazing that so many people would see that as truth and actually quote it and basically use it as theology. Well, Frank, let's take another call from Connie and Alan. Connie, thanks for calling. I have a, just a quick question. What do you think about practicing yoga? Well, yoga is a mixed bag. On the one hand, it is uh, physical exercise for relaxing and breathing and all of that. On the other hand, it has ties in, of course, with uh, Eastern philosophy if you're going to do yoga, just be careful where it's coming from. Stick with the exercises and the breathing and stuff. And uh, Beyond that, I, I would just say be very careful. I have some good friends who are involved in it. I, personally, myself, would, would advise caution. Um, you know, physical exercise and relaxation of the muscles and breathing techniques and all that in themselves are are not harmful. They just they're just what they are. It just makes me feel a little, you know, kind of kind of creepy <laughs> when I think of how a lot of this stuff is used to uh, instill altered states and so forth. Um, just be careful. That's all. I'm not going to give a blanket condemnation of it, but I'm not going to give it a blanket recommendation either. I I think you just need to be careful who's teaching it, what their philosophy is, and so forth. And uh, um. Sounds like a good answer. You know, the idea of sort of emptying your, your mind and creating a vacuum, uh, there it opens you up to all kinds of influences, and uh, 
you know, yeah. some of the teachers then, you know, can use that as an opportunity. So, listen, Frank, thank you so much for joining us today. I wish we had hours and hours to continue to talk to you, but we appreciate your work over the years and certainly continue to pray for your next projects. Thanks for being with us. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Well, that's Frank Peretti, uh, what a great man in the Christian movement. He's written some really uh, great fiction and also nonfiction. Now he's going to be a director, and uh, we appreciate his weighing in on truth, our emphasis on the Criswell Radio Network. Well, next up, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to talk with the vice president of the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. What about these uh, quote-unquote fixes for global warming? How much are they going to cost us? That's next on Jerry Johnson Live. Listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's Penna Dexter. It's time for the Congress to pass these trade agreements to help build a hemisphere that lives in liberty and trades in freedom and grows in prosperity. Well, that's President Bush saying that lawmakers need to get moving on the free trade deal. That's probably a, a debate we could have another day. But he was speaking to business executives at the White House. And he said a rejection by Congress of free uh, trade deals with Peru, Panama, or Colombia would play into the hands of anti-American sentiment in Latin America. Uh, We are talking about trade, and we're talking about business in this segment. And we're also relating it to a subject uh, that we cover quite often here on the program. And today, the Washington Post says that climate is a risky issue for Democrats. Some of the proposals that are out there, including one before the Senate, the Lieberman-Warner bill, uh, actually would involve a wholesale uh, wholesale transformation of the nation's economy and our society, that according to the Washington Post. With us to discuss this is William Kovacs. He is Vice President uh, for Environment, Technology, and Regulatory Affairs with the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, and uh, we appreciate you, uh, Mr. Kovacs, being with us today. Oh, thanks for having me. All right. Uh, there's a bill before Congress. It's a bipartisan bill, Lieberman, Joe Lieberman and John Warner. Uh, it's supposed to affect climate change and uh, emissions of carbon dioxide. Can you first just tell us what it entails? Sure. I think the simplest way to, to describe it is that uh, by between now and 2015, uh, they're proposing that we reduce the amount of fossil fuels we use, in essence, by uh, 25%, and by 2050, we reduce it by approximately 65 to 70%, which means that we almost have to, we have to uh, replace uh, roughly 65% of all the fossil fuels we use today. And uh, the, the big question is, where are we going to get the energy from? And I think that's what the Washington Post is alluding to, because it's talking about this transformation. There is now no technology in place uh, that can allow us to continue to use fossil fuels without emitting carbon, and there are no energy resources that are available uh, to replace the fossil fuels. So we're talking about a, a lifestyle uh, really without the use of energy. Wow. Well, you know, I read the Wall Street Journal a lot. And of course, this is a pro-business newspaper. And uh, you're going to find, you know, lots of articles that uh, boost business and take a position that would be pro-business. But what I see in there also is the idea that a lot of businesses are attempting to deal with environmental issues on their own. I mean, there are some government regulations in place, but a lot of times, 
they are doing it because they can do it, because they are prosperous enough to be able to afford to do it. And that, I guess, is my point. And that is, when a country is prosperous, they can afford to deal with environmental issues. If they're not prosperous, they can't. So it's the poor nations that are the, that are, uh, the worst polluters, isn't it? Absolutely. And, and there are a lot of theories that, that until they have, you're absolutely right, until they have a certain level of income, six, seven, uh, $8,000, uh, the only thing they're worried about is is just subsistence living, and and they are the worst polluters because they don't have an infrastructure. They burn the wood. Uh, right now in the United States, over the last thirty years, we've spent three trillion dollars the, the business community uh, cleaning up uh, the the land, the air, the water. We have one of the cleanest in, in environments in the world. So when we're addressing these issues. I think for far too long we've been willing to, to accept the lectures from Europe uh, about how we should live. Uh, but the bottom line is our environment is as clean as, as, as anywhere in the world. We have the strictest air pollution laws anywhere in the world. We have very strict water laws. And the, the idea that now people are saying, well, you should cut back on CO2, Europe really didn't cut back on CO2. What they did is when they signed the Kyoto Treaty is they set the baseline at 1990, and several things happened in 1991. We had the fall of the Berlin Wall, so they got all the credits. Germany got all the credits from Eastern Europe. And the second thing is uh, Great Britain switched from coal to natural gas, so it got some credits for switching there. Uh, we had done that 15 years before that. So th- this is a shell game. <laughs> And we have to begin asking one question. Okay, you're telling us that we're going to reduce our CO2 levels, which means we can no longer use fossil fuels. How are we going to get the energy to run the economy, to keep everyone's lifestyle, to keep growing our economy and creating the wealth so we can clean up uh, the environment? Because once we decide we're not going to use energy, I believe that every other nation in the world is still going to continue to use energy to develop their countries. We're still going to have more CO2. And at the end of the day, it's the United States that's going to be uh, moving towards third world status, not the rest of the world. My guest is William Kovacs, and he is with the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, and he deals in environmental issues, stating, you know, this is really a clear statement that uh, these reductions that are being recommended, even in the U.S. Senate, would actually cause us to become less or even a non-energy user, and this has to do with CO2. Here's Al Gore's prescription. I think we should immediately freeze CO2 emissions in the United States of America and then begin a program of sharp reductions to reach at least 90% reductions by 2050. What would that mean, William Kovacs? It would mean we would not use energy today. There, there is 85% of, of all of our energy comes from fossil fuels. And you have to ask yourself, well, okay, if we give up fossil fuels, what does that mean? Well, the first thing it means is you're not going to be driving a car. Second, uh, because that's gas, that, that, that's petroleum and it's a fossil fuel, you're not going to be heating your house because 50% of the electricity in the United States uh, comes from coal. And so when you look at it, you have to say, well, what are we going to replace it with? And, and, and some people have, have a flip answer. They say, well, we'll replace it with ethanol. If we used all the land in the United States, we couldn't produce 20% of, of, of the transportation fuels. And so these things are, are really foolish. Second, if we wanted to replace it uh, with wind, we would have to build, one, build and deploy 100 windmills a day every day for the next 100 years in order to get the same amount 
of energy. And so when you think about how much energy a country like ours uses and the world uses, there's no way to replace it with any of the alternative fuels. So that when an Al Gore or even uh, even the Senate decide that we're going to reduce uh, our use of fossil fuels this dramatically and, and quickly, what they're saying is we're giving up using energy and we're giving up our ability to compete in the world. You know, you mentioned ethanol, and uh, from what I've been reading, it takes so much energy to produce ethanol that there's really not a lot of value to, to that uh, alternative. Well, actually, uh, that's very true. There's, it, it, it's not very fuel efficient. I think you get about a 15-20% gain, but the, but the the bigger problem with ethanol um, is is the amount of water it takes. It takes, and, and granted, some of the water can be reused, but it can take thousands of gallons of water to produce uh, a, a barrel of ethanol. And, and so when you look at what's going on in the southeast part of the United States now, where water is really becoming at a premium, do we want hundreds of these ethanol facilities all across the United States pumping the water out of the aquifers? So you've got to look at an energy resource uh, for, for what it is. And if you look at the, the oil and gas industry, for example, even during Katrina, there were no spills. And so you have to say this is clean energy. There are no environmental problems. Why all of a sudden are we deciding we don't want this form of energy? But this is where the Congress of the United States is going. Even on the energy bill that they're, that, that they're pushing outside of climate change, they want to add a, literally what it, in effect is a $9 a barrel tax uh, on a barrel of oil, which means U.S. oil will be $9 more expensive than oil coming from Saudi Arabia. That means we'll even buy more oil from Saudi Arabia. I've, it's, it's ludicrous, and the members of Congress really need to focus on the practical aspects of, of, of the energy and climate change issue, not just, not just listening to their environmental cronies and, uh, who, really don't, who really have an agenda that is probably more religious, which is we don't want an industrial society mm-hmm. in the United States. Well, it seems to me uh, we're being asked, we will be asked to pay more for energy with very little, if any, uh, benefit. Let's uh, go now to Senator Joe Lieberman speaking on the Senate floor, talking about his bill with Senator Warner. Here's the climate bill, and uh, he's talking here about certain trade provisions of the bill. And in this cap-and-trade system with the auctioning of credits and the opportunity to subsidize some and provide uh, um, free credits to other businesses while they're in the transition, we're going to smooth the impact. We've also created a mechanism, Carbon Market Efficiency Board, very creative, comes out of work Senator Warner did with Senators Graham, Landrieu, and Lincoln, a kind of Federal Reserve Board for Climate Change Cap-and-Trade, which can step in in times of economic stress to, to smooth this out so the American economy uh, will continue to grow. Well, first of all, uh, Mr. Kovacs, this sounds like government control of business big time, but uh, this whole idea of cap and trade, I don't know if people understand it. Can you explain it to us and tell us if it's, you know, how it will help or hurt? Well, well, first of all, before I explain it, we've had a lot of, I mean, you've had a lot of experience with, with cap and trade uh, in Europe, so we've got some fairly good ideas of, of, of how it can work. What a cap and trade is, is you put a cap on the number of emissions that can, that can be generated by a society. And that, will, that actually works as a restriction on the amount of energy that you can use. And so that if someone can save more energy and someone actually needs to use more energy, you can, you can trade within emission limits. But you are, throughout the whole system, you are uh, actually reducing what you, can, what, what you can emit. And where the problem comes in, as I mentioned before, is you pick a baseline. 
And, and that's just the game. Because if you pick the right baseline like the European Union did, all of your countries then get credit. Because by picking 1990, they were able to, East, Germany was able to get credits for shutting, shutting down the economy uh, in, in East Germany. Because, and since they didn't have any economy, they got credits. <laughs> Uh, the, the UK did the same thing. So it became a game. Since we had already done all of the hard work years before, they then turned to the United States and said, we want you to reduce more. And the other thing that all of the European countries did is that they overestimated the amount of emissions. So in effect, they were all given free emissions, and then the value of the emissions dropped. And I understand they zero. still haven't met their Kyoto goals. Listen, William Kovacs, we appreciate your joining us. We have got to continue to come back to you to give us some common sense on some of these solutions. And we appreciate your being with us today. Thanks very much. Talk to you. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, the Senate is probing six top televangelists looking into their finances. What do you think of it? 800-881-9270. Stay with us for more of Jerry Johnson Live. November 14th, the battle for the truth. It is our responsibility as pastors to speak out on issues, biblical issues, uh, show our people what the Bible says, give them the tools they need to make wise decisions. And I certainly believe it is a pastor's job to warn his people against doctrinal error that would lead them away from the truth. Dr. Robert Jeffress. I think it's very important, especially for pastors as well as Christians, almost to adopt a new intolerance toward false teaching. The Apostle Paul was the most intolerant person that ever lived when it came to the basics of the gospel. He said, if anyone preaches another gospel, let that person be accursed. And so I'm hoping uh, that Christians, as a result of this town hall meeting, will have a new courage to stand up for the truth. The truth. Fight for it with us. Only here on the Criswell Radio Network. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's Penna Dexter. But Meredith, part of the part of the challenge the news media has had in covering this story is the the old habit of taking the on the one hand on the other hand approach. Uh, there are still people who believe that the Earth is flat. But when you're reporting on a story like the one you're covering today, where you have people all around the world, you don't take, you don't search out for someone who still believes the earth is flat and give them equal time. So what Al Gore was really saying on the Today Show yesterday with Meredith Vieira is, shouldn't pre- uh, present both sides of the global warming issue, just his side. And that uh, is the science of it, at least Al Gore's science. We've also talked about the economics, and this is an issue we'll continue to cover on Jerry Johnson Live. We're also talking about the battle for truth here on the Criswell Radio Network. And as we've been mentioning, uh, all month, the month of November, is a month to look into truth, to look into doctrine, to look into false doctrine and false teaching in the church. Uh, and among Christians. And of course, next Wednesday night, uh, 6.30 to 8.30, we'll have a special on the Criswell Radio Network with lots of special guests uh, talking about this very issue. It will be hosted by Dr. Jerry Johnson. Uh, But speaking of truth, uh, it's also important for ministers of the gospel, uh, at least we are hoping they're ministering the gospel, to be truthful in their finances and uh, to be above board and honest. And right now, the finances of six evangelists is being are being looked at uh, by the Senate Finance Committee, 
And uh, they are Benny Hinn, Creflo Dollar, and uh, other Prosperity Theology adherents. adherents. And uh, we wonder if you have any thoughts about that. We don't have a whole lot of information yet because the investiga- investigation is just starting. But uh, if you do, we'll take your calls at 800-881-9270. Uh, some of the other evangelists and ministries being looked into are Joyce Meyer, Paula White, Eddie Long, Kenneth Copeland, and as I said, Benny Hinn uh, and uh, Creflo Dollar. Um, and uh, so that's an, that's an interesting development. David is in Dallas. He has some thoughts on this. David, go ahead. Yeah, hi, Pena. Uh, my 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 thoughts are based around the gospel, and uh, the in the fact that, as you see in scripture, scripture says that your sins will find you out, and the scripture also speaks of uh, false prophets in the last days that like to tickle people's ears, and I think this is um, I'm not a prophet by any means of the word, but this could possibly be an act of God. Uh, we see a lot of the times in Scripture that God uses the uh, nation as a sword of righteousness to uh, administer justice, and this could be possibly that, um, God administering justice to the people preaching a false gospel, uh, not willing to uh, suffer um, loss of property or loss of uh, respect on account of the gospel, proclaiming the truth of Jesus mm-hmm. and uh, the exclusivity of Jesus and uh, what he's preaching, because it seems to me that a lot of the messages that they're preaching have nothing to do with the content of Christ's message that he preached when he was here. David, thank you for that call, and uh, there's some wisdom there. This uh, this development, this piece of news, in case you haven't heard about it, Senator Charles Grassley of Iowa Uh, He's the ranking member on the Senate Finance Committee, and he wants to know whether these ministers have avoided taxes on the for-profit activities that their ministries are doing or whether they're using ministry money for personal benefit. And uh, we have some stats on this that we will air on a future program. But religious organizations are generally exempt from federal taxes, but if they engage in for-profit businesses, they need to pay taxes on that just like everybody else. This is what's being looked into. Now, you hate to see a precedent set for the government looking into the church, but uh, there are some interesting uh, side lights to this, and we are taking your calls. We want to know what you think. Reynolds is in Euless, and Reynolds, thanks for calling. Yeah, thanks for taking my call. I'd just like to point out the, the difference between, uh, say, a ministry like Billy Graham uh, who has remained accountable and under a board for decades and decades, and the rise of some of these uh, ministries over the last several decades, where the head typically is unaccountable, uh, spends money freely, and uh, I, I think it ultimately all points to the fact the evangelical community or community has been unable to police itself. Therefore, uh, the unchurched, or this, in this circumstance, the, the state, is coming in and looking at these uh, various ministers. And, mm-hmm. uh, it's very sad commentary on the state of uh, faith in the United States. Well, That's it is. And what, uh, one of the common denominators between all of these is that they uh, promote the, quote-unquote, prosperity gospel. And unfortunately, we don't have a whole lot of time to talk about it. Uh, but you have to wonder if there's some correlation between... Uh, what may be some illegal activities, and we don't know if it is or not. We have to wait till this investigation takes place, and also that gospel that is being promoted through these ministries. Another call from Terry in Bedford. Terry, thanks for calling. Sure, I just um, 
you know, the, the timing of this whole thing from a political standpoint, um, you know, could be on the table as well. The color before me regarding uh, Billy Graham, um, you know, Billy Graham's um, integrity could be brought into question. Then you start talking about uh, the people of John Hagee uh, in San Antonio with uh, 20, 25,000 members. You, you know, the issue is all of these people... Okay, well, uh, first of all, let me say, though, Billy Graham and John Hagee, neither of them have been named in this. No, right, but they yeah. have both been under attacks under uh, at, at different points in time. Billy Graham's ministry years ago um, was brought under attack. John Hagee's ministry has been brought under attack. And to now categorize six of these individuals, it, 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 it seems to me that there would be a, a blatant uh, attack, you, you know, against, uh, against individuals who are really making a difference for Christ in the world. Joyce mm-hmm. Meyer has done a phenomenal job uh, in reaching out to those people that, uh, you know, that are lost. And w- when you say, well, what is the personal gain? Um, I mean... Between Kenneth Copeland and Creflo Dollar, these people are anointed from God to preach the gospel and to, to have uh, people that may You know what, i got to jump in only because we're coming up on the end of the program. Um, the main concern I share with you, I think, is just the idea that there would be a blatant uh, government kind of control over the church. Uh, and I do have concerns with the Senate looking into the church. I wish the church could police itself, but I'm not denying that there could be abuses. Well, ladies and gentlemen, Proverbs uh, 10.9 says, He who walks in integrity walks securely, but he who perverts his ways will be found out. I think that's a principle that applies here, and uh, if there is misdoing uh, taking place here, looks like it, it'll be found out because of this investigation. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I also want to mention that next week. Uh, We've got a special guest on Monday. He is former Secretary of Defense, uh, William Cohen. He'll be joining us on Monday. Uh, We will also be broadcasting from the uh, Texas Southern Baptist Convention uh, Tuesday night, and then uh, we will be uh, involved in our very special broadcast. Not only will we have a regular Jerry Johnson live program on Wednesday, but we will also uh, be broadcasting uh, the Battle for Truth from 6.30 to 8.30 Wednesday night. All of that coming up next week. So join us every day for Jerry Johnson Live. You've been listening to Jerry Johnson Live, a Christian worldview radio show. Join Dr. Jerry Johnson, President of Criswell College and Criswell Communications, Monday through Friday at 5 p.m. for an hour of relevant discussion of news and culture from a Christian perspective.